Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 688 with our review of No Time to Die. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, in this episode, uh, we are talking about the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die, which is now available for premium VOD. You can rent it with your good, hard-earned $20. I'm sure by next week it'll be rentable for $6, but... <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, really, if you do the math per hour, that's like, it's like a dollar per hour of this movie. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Um, especially if you're going to go back and try to watch the other films in the series. Um, yeah. Uh, which, to that note, Stephen, before sitting down to watch No Time to Die, did you... A, go back and watch any of the other Bond films in the the uh, Daniel Craig era? Um, and, or, or B, did you watch any recap videos on um, YouTube or anything like that? Uh, no, I see quickly reread the Wikipedia summary of Spectre nice. um, out loud to Joanna to get her up to speed as well as remind <laughs> myself of what happened um, because I didn't remember a goddamn thing <laughs> going no. into this movie. How about you? Uh, so, like an idiot... <laughs> I was like, man, James Bond's back. I'm renting this shit right now. And I just dove straight in. <laughs> Couldn't remember jack shit about what happened. Like key information that's very, very important. Yep. Um, in the opening scenes of this film, um, you know, like the first action scene, there is a phone that rings. There is a character speaking on the other line of that phone. They say something that sort of implies a thing. And I was like, what? Is that news? And I did not even remember the other character from the yeah. previous film that kills himself after yep. saying, no, he's the thing <laughs> that I right. thought this person was saying on the phone. So much confusion in this film. Um, I, I was pretty much immediately like... Because Joanna asked me, like, oh, who's Vesper? And I was like, I I think it's, like, in the first movie, maybe the second, I think she betrays. No, she dies and someone betrays. It's bad. It, it's really sad. <laughs> like, I, I, I really did not remember anything. Yeah, yeah. Also, Vesper des definitely sounds like the name of an organization, like Spectre. Um but uh but yeah it's not it's a, it's a woman who died and uh he was really really sad forever and now he just needs to you know learn to let go as uh people are wont to do when they write things on pieces of paper and burn them um but anyways yeah I, let's just say that i was very confused by this film um at multiple points in it um and i have since gone back and watched some recap slash explainer videos and to be honest it is quite hilarious um that like basically every villain we ever talk to we later find out is a member of Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just feels like like literally every Bond film is Hey, I've killed two people, now I'm Bond. Then it goes, you know what, I think I'm done. I'm done doing Bond stuff. And then it's like, oh shit, something happened. I'm going to come back and not be, now I'm going to be Bond again. And then it's like, every film is him going into retirement and then coming back to the next movie and then right. going into retirement and coming back to the next movie. And, uh, uh, lots of people that he sleeps with die. <laughs> yeah. In all this, all the different films. Yeah. Um, um, we'll, we'll get into it, but I feel like this movie very much wants to tackle that aspect of his character. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yep. 
Yeah, so should we just get into it, Steven? Uh, I guess one one other thing I want to say to that note, and we were talking a little bit uh, before recording, one problem with keeping track of the lore of the Daniel Craig Bond era is I feel like it sits side by side with Mission Impossible, yeah. and over time, as the Mission Impossible series grew to be more like a Bond franchise, um, especially with, uh, you know, when Fallout, was it Fallout? What, Spectre and yeah, Fallout, yeah, F- or Fallout Spectre and Spectre and were came out. around the same time. Yeah, and they, and they both have like similar supervillains, similar ideas of someone like being off the grid. The idea of whether <laughs> you can or can't end with trust a villain in a box talking to them. Right. Both, I, I believe. No, oh yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's the. <laughs> oh, now I'm confusing two Bond movies together. There are two back-to-back Bond movies that involve using a watch to uh, hurt somebody's eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways. Continue with yeah, your point, they, Steven. The, well, well, especially with the kind of the female spies who are love interests and also maybe double crossy and the boss who you trust, but then you can't trust who I, I don't know. I It really makes it hard to keep track of the lore here because I can never remember if a thing that happened actually happened in the Bond franchise or if it happened uh, to Ethan Hunt instead. Yeah, here, here's the way you keep them apart, Steven. Does the film have masks? If it has masks, it's Mission Impossible. If it doesn't have masks, it is Bond. <laughs> hmm. Okay, I can't think of any counterpoints now, except for there's a major mask in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, like, the predominant visual in this movie is a mask. <laughs> yeah. To, 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 to recalibrate my statement, um, masks that look like a human face. <laughs> Mm, like okay. like masks that you can take off and reveal that you're not the person that they thought you were in that moment yeah because that is like a key point of all the mission impossible films going all the way back to the beginning and it's not factored into the daniel craig films i don't believe yeah i don't believe it is yeah but anyways now we're ready to get into this steven yeah we're ready we're gonna take a listen to the trailer for no time to die and then we're gonna come back and give you a review Bond, any thug can kill. I have to know I can trust you. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. You are a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Is this really what you want? Always alone? to get into a room with the enemy. And now they're just floating in the ether. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. Oh my God. Target enough people. And the people become the weapon. Who is he? James, you don't know what this is. James Bond, licensed to kill, in love with Madeline Swan. Why 
could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. And life is all about leaving something behind. Isn't it? Come on, Bond. Where the hell are you? So that is the trailer for No Time to Die. When we last checked in with Bond, he was running off with his lady friend and uh, trying to, you know, get away from the spy thing. But it seems like Spectre might have some plans of their own. He is attacked and drawn back into the life of being a Bond and has to figure out what the hell is going on with this new villain and what the connections between all the different characters are to each other. <laughs> uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of No Time to Die? Okay, so I've been thinking for a while about the question of, like, what makes Bond different than A, Mission Impossible, and B, Fast and Furious, because <laughs> I feel like these are three <laughs> franchises that travel around the world, having world-saving hijinks ensue with epic car chases and people they're spying on each other. They're all about hashtag family. <laughs> yeah, they're all about hashtag family. Uh, they all have, like, beefy dudes... Uh, punching uh, our <laughs> hero. Um, and I think the, I mean, the more serious comparison is Mission Impossible, obviously. Um, yeah. But I think the answer is style. And like, this is a little reductive, but like a Bond movie is going to have like more gorgeous landscapes. The like snow is going to be icier. The hot places are going to be more like scorched feeling. Like everything is more stylized. Uh, the action is going to be more suave, maybe not better, but more like feels very planned and choreographed. The dialogue is going to kind of like drip with like actors doing capital A acting all the time. Like yeah. they're, they're playing dress up in a more, uh, I don't know, seductive way. Uh, whereas the mission impossible movies are like, hell yeah, we're going to get into the action. Um, yeah. I, I think Spectre kind of fumbled a lot i i don't know what we rated it when we reviewed it before but i remember feeling like it didn't stick the landing on the style part um this movie does like i think daniel craig goes out in style here uh, as we have alluded to this movie assumes we are way more invested in the lore of the craig era bond movies than i think either of us were yeah. um or at least it assumes we remember a thing from a movie that i mean poor poor no time to die like it was supposed to come out what a year and a half ago two years ago yeah um which would so, be like, awful timing if it did <laughs> yeah that is absolutely true and we'll get into that um but like it was gonna come out and already it was stretching the time when i could have possibly remembered like who uh leah Sedu plays in this movie or why we're supposed to care about her uh, but adding that extra like year and a half time delay too and an entire pandemic in between those it's like I do not remember 
anything going into this movie. Um, but it doesn't really matter. Like, I kind of think this movie... This movie is the story of Daniel Craig's Bond realizing that his time is up, like that his like legacy has come to an end and grappling with what that means. And all of the plot is just like happening in the background at a lower volume, like to give him space to process those emotions. And I think the movie does a good job of being a long, taking its time, stylized, like journey to the end of this era of bond like i i like this movie i thought it did a really good job i think the the set pieces hit when they're supposed to hit uh especially early on there are some great one like there is a great chase that happens in italy uh there's also a great moment when bond has to basically stop a bunch of motorcycles in a forest uh and it it is uh entertaining to watch there is a whole section with Anna Darmus that I thought was just like great and kind of a look at the more classic bond that this could be if it wanted to be you know like the hijinks and the drinking and the witty banter and all that um this movie no like it has all those tricks that it can pull but it decides to slow things down repeatedly to let us say goodbye to you know daniel craig as our main bond and even though i was not that invested in him like i didn't god help me if i have to tell you what happened in quantum of solace i have no idea um but i know it's very important to this movie somehow (laughs) i I still haven't Um, seen quantum of solace um oh wow it I, I I when it came out it I knew that it was made during the writer strike and like it was basically just held together with you know chewing gum and tinfoil or whatever um, and I just never got around to seeing it and I just never came mm. back and I was like well I'm two movies wow. ahead of it now there's no there's no fucking point <laughs> yeah um I think like I Jeffrey Wright shows up in this movie and I truly couldn't have told you with certainty whether he had been in the previous movies or not. Yeah. And he not only was, but apparently was a major character. So that's like how little the Bond movies have stuck with me, apparently. Um, But even despite all that, like the movie, it, it just operates on a level of style that it, it convinces me that I care about these things, even if I hadn't remembered them going into the movie. And it just did a good job of bringing me along for the ride with one giant exception, which is, Rami Malek as Lucifer Safin. <laughs> it's like they got real creative with that name. Yeah, I know. Really. Um, completely garbage villain. Um, I don't know what he is trying to do. I don't know his motivation. It's clear that they're trying to set him up as like the the mirror image of Bond. I mean, they have him say it, right? Like yeah. they have him say all of the things of look at how similar we are, but they don't give us any details that should actually make us believe that in any way. The, uh, the, here's the thing is the reason he thinks they're similar is his weird fucked up delusion about his relationship to a key player in this game. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing he's working with. The only thing. And I, well, they also both are hell bent on destroying Spectre. Um, I mean, like, like, I think the movie wants us to say, like, oh, he's a metaphor for the uh, logical conclusion of the destruction that a character like Bond, blah, blah, blah. I don't give a shit. He doesn't sell it at all. And the more the movie makes us spend time with him, the less I was enjoying myself. Um, Like, I think this movie 
ends extremely well, but the half hour or so leading up to the ending, I feel like is really hampered by the fact that I don't know what the fuck Rami Malek is doing yeah. at all. And the movie wants me to care about him. He, um, he, he is the human embodiment of the thought experiment of a machine taking over the world because it's given the task to do something really, really efficiently. And it decides that like the most efficient way is to get rid of all humans and turn them into ro- whatever. Like, like it, it's, yeah, yeah. he is that thought experiment, right? He's like, what is the most evil plan I could do? I guess I'll just do this one thing and do it everywhere. And then I'll be evil man. I don't know why I made him Ben Stiller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it was, if it's the setting or what, but I kept thinking of uh, Samuel L. Jackson in The Kingsman <laughs> yeah. um, when, I, when I was seeing his character where it's just like, this is your plan? <laughs> okay. Like, it's, it's not a, a not smart plan. It is actually a... Pr- I just don't know why he wants to do it. Yeah, like, I, I he, couldn't hear from all of his, like, mouth acting it's, it's <laughs> why pure, he wanted to do it. It's purely efficiency. Like, we can get into it in spoiler- spoilers. Um, yeah, okay, let's like, do mini spoilers. It, it, yeah, yeah. Like, is he Thanos? Is that what I missed? Like, does he have some theory about all this? No, no, no. There, there's, there's actually a line that played in this trailer, which is the whole key, um, which I thought was interesting, uh, hearing it again in the trailer. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to it later. Mm. Yeah, he, he is the big problem with this movie, but even he can't dampen it that much for me because I think the movie mostly in broad strokes when i consider the whole two hour 40 minutes or whatever of it the movie doesn't care about him really like he is there to represent something and what the movie cares about is bond going like grappling with his past having one last hurrah in like classic bond mode and then also being like the world weary daniel craig bond that we know and love and giving him a proper send-off and i think the movie did that Totally well. So I think it succeeded in what I had to do, even if I still don't care that much about this Bond franchise. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, uh, yeah, so, so let's just get this out of the way from the start. This is a fucking Bond movie. Bond is great. <laughs> the the mm-hmm. way you were describing what is Bond and, and, and like what do you think of when you think of Bond, you, know, you used a lot of different words to describe it. Um, there is a shot in this trailer that is from Casino Royale, which is him... There's like the tractor, which is pulling apart the back of the train, and he jumps onto the train, lands super unstable, and then stands up and like fixes his cufflinks on his shirt. Mm -hmm. And just like, that is Bond, right? That like, shit's crazy, but I'm fucking suave as fuck. (laughs) And I got, I got, then he didn't have gadgets yet, but like, I got gadgets, I do some stuff. I'm very brooding, you know, the whole world is sexy and bright and awesome and like, or dark and awesome. Um, but like, that is what Bond is. And this film delivers that. It's, it's got its big set pieces. It's spectacular. Um, it's, I, I care about this character in so much that like, I'm, I'm watching Bond. Like I, I came, turned out for Bond and I got Bond. Um, I have sort of realized that my love of the Bond franchise is nostalgia built off of nostalgia. So mm-hmm. when I was young, I watched a lot of Bond. But if you list all the Bond films, I probably watched a lot of like three Bond movies when I was younger because 
I would tune in every year for like the TNT 24 hour bond thing. But as a child, there's only couple, there's only some windows of time where you can actually sit in front of a TV and watch stuff. Right. So there's like I watch Goldfinger, you know, like watch like that's the one that like everybody knows by name. Um, but it's like I had this fond love of bond from a younger child watching it on TV. And it wasn't really until like the Pierce Brosnan era where I was watching bond as or bond as a, a contemporary person consuming bond media and like i carried over that nostalgia of being like yeah bond's a thing that i love but like i'm not an expert on bond i couldn't tell you what happened in most of the things i couldn't tell you who the villain is outside of goldfinger <laughs> um like yeah. there's you know there's a bunch of things where it's like i i just like the idea of bond and the presentation of bond and seeing bond do bond things um so smash cut to this daniel craig era i like daniel craig as bond um, even watching the recaps, I've started to realize that, like, I don't really care about Bond. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like watching Bond. Bond is cool. Like, like if, if you told me when Daniel Craig was cast that we were going to have five films or whatever it is, and some of these villains would be Mads Mikkelsen, that would be Javier Bardem, that would be Christoph Waltz. I'd be like, this is fucking brilliant casting. Like, yeah. this is amazing. This is going to be so... Christoph Waltz is the worst of the Bond villains. I, yep. he's, I, I've never disliked him. Or Sorry, I don't dislike him in these films. I discare. <laughs> like, yeah. it, I just, it is shocking how not well used he is in these movies. And, but I think it's just that uh, Mission Impossible completely stole its thunder because he is like nothing compared to the big bad in those movies. Oh, yeah, that for sure. And just does not work at all. Yeah, the the King Arthur basically is. Yeah, yeah. yeah whatever his name is. Um, but like, all right, here comes the hot takes. You've already sort of touched on it. Mission Impossible is better than Bond. <laughs> That's my hot take. Uh, what's funny is both these this latest crop of Mission Impossible films and this crop of uh, Daniel Craig films has tied back the entire key of the character to loves in their life. And all of their decisions are evil people potentially threatening the life of somebody they love and how they deal with that and that sort of reaction. And for some reason in Bond, I just couldn't give any shits. We'll, we'll talk about it in spoilers, but Bond's last act that he makes before this movie ends if you compare it to what Ethan Hunt has been doing for the last two films, spiritually, they're identical, right? And we'll get into it in spoilers. But what they have chosen to do is so wildly separate. One person's is an act of uh, love and affection, and the other's is an act of cowardice and selfishness. And it's like, I... like. Is this a fitting close to the Daniel Craig era? Sure. Do I think that the actions that are taken are impactful? Yes. Do I think that they have meaning outside of the on paper standpoint? No. I, I think that there's something about it that just doesn't sit with me and makes me think mm -hmm. that like that's it that's not even the Bond way to do it. That is like fucking the Han Solo way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right and it's it's like that you're not the same character um like i, I don't know so, something about it really really bothered me <sighs> i going now now stepping back a little bit i don't know why these films have to be so fucking convoluted like give me 
Very simple. There's a bad guy. The bad guy has a plan. How are we going to thwart this plan? It endangers either Britain, whatever, or it endangers the world. Like, just keep it, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> like, like the fact that like every single person that Bond ever speaks to has to secretly be a fucking Spectre agent. Like, and like everybody is connected through like family lineage. Like in the reveal in past Bond films, where like like when it's revealed that Christoph Waltz's character is like the stepbrother of Bond, and like all of this is happening because he's essentially the the fucking kid from The Incredibles. <laughs> Where he's like, what? Everybody likes superheroes? I'm going to be a super villain. Ah! Like, I just, it did not work with me. I don't know if we talked about this back when when Spectre first came out. But, like, it just, I can't give any less shits about the world and this character. And instead, I'm just like, man, just fucking save the planet already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I... I get it. I mean, what I will say is this movie basically inherited the most convoluted plot from Spectre. Like, Spectre is the movie that you should criticize for all this, because Spectre is the movie that decided to tie everything together, make all the villains be a part of Spectre, introduce us to Blofeld and tell us how he's his, like, you know, stepbrother and give give us that whole backstory. And from my understanding, Spectre was supposed to be the end of, of Bond. At least originally it was going to be. Like, Skyfall was going to be his big, boom, amazing send-off, and then Spectre was going to be, like, passing the torch or something. And then the movie just did so badly that they were like, we're not going out on that. We have to, like, salvage what this movie did. It's too um, over time. Yeah, and so this movie, I think, is as artfully as it can finding a way to do like kind of what the last Jedi did of be like, Hey, here's your convoluted past. Let's burn the past. (laughs) Uh, the end, like, I think it's trying, it's trying to rectify the wrongs of Spectre. That's kind of how I, how I see it. Yeah. I I just don't think it does. The problem is that like, was there ever, I mean, I mean, based on what you said, that can't be the case, but it's like, Romy Malik is not, he's not a whole complete thought. He, he just simply isn't, right? He is a character with baggage. He acts upon that baggage. And the only thing that links him is a retconned backstory uh, for another character, which is like, these pieces don't jive. This is not a cohesive <laughs> narrative. This, you're not watching, Romy Malik is not the Joker, right? You're not watching this plan that is set in motion, that is working because, you know, this, this weird i'm talking about heath ledger's joker like um if this is you're not watching a plan hatch that you know has been in motion for a long time because this like psychotic genius is testing people's character and making them participate in this thing that sets chaos in motion right it is not that sort of story it's just a guy with a fucking vendetta who almost accidentally stumbles into combining all the pieces it this feels like a a bad version of a um uh shit lock sock two smoking barrels guy Ritchie. so this is like yeah. the bad version of a guy Ritchie movie where it's three completely separate stories that all like crash cars in in on one street at one moment in time right <laughs> like, like it's that sort of it feels like that right like these completely separate uh stories 
that shouldn't be connected that are connected because they want to try to make the most impactful ending. And to me, it feels not great. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I, like, I don't disagree with you about the convoluted nature of it. I just feel like the plot of this movie um, just bounces off me. Like it, like it doesn't bother me because I think it is well done and cool enough that I don't care. Like, like I don't care that I can't follow all the threads of it because I feel it like just tying up loose ends. And at least in one case, like tying up a whole lot of loose ends at once. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like, I, I respect what it's doing. Uh, even though I agree, like I, I agree with you. I think, by the way, we, we got it wrong. Rogue Nation is the one that came out when Spectre was coming oh, okay, out. Gotcha. Uh, and they are just so badass. Mission Impossible managed to have like another amazing movie years ago before this movie <laughs> came out. Um, yeah, yeah. Rogue Nation, because that's the other group that even has spider webs yeah. coming out of. Like it's, it's yeah. like an octopus, but it's not an octopus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, like, I will agree with you that the Mission Impossible franchise has leapfrogged the Bond franchise. Uh, I yeah. still think Skyfall is pretty incredible. Like, I, I need to watch that movie again. I think that is definitely the high watermark of this franchise. Yeah, you know, I um, agree with that. Though I mean, Casino Royale is actually very cool, too. Um, but in in terms of set pieces, Mission Impossible has a beat. And in terms of very clear character as an archetype, Mission Impossible does it because... Ethan, you know, he is who he is. Ethan Hunt is this force, and we know exactly why he does what he does. And every movie has the exact same premise about, like, why is he tired and why is he doing it anyway and who is he doing it for? Um, but, but like, he, he Bond feel... is more slippery than that. Yeah, but like, but, like, Ethan Hunt, you feel the toll on him as a person who knows he's the only person who can do it. And it is he is forced to save the world because if he doesn't, no one else will. And he has things that he cares about in the world. And if the world gets destroyed, that's a problem. All the things Bond is care about are dead or gone. <laughs> so it's like he is just over it. He, he is like the literal actor who is just done and doesn't want to be Bond anymore. And his character is the same. Right. And, and I feel like mm -hmm. every time when he comes back, it's not like... Like, what I do like about this film is, is at this point in time, it's like the fourth time that he is, like, quote, retired. But when he comes back, you see that he really misses it. Like, he <laughs> enjoys playing with these other female agents and, like, riffing with them and, like, doing the action. Like, he kind of likes it. And, and like, I like that aspect of the film of seeing him being like, hmm. I kind of miss this. Like this is, it's not even the, I'm coming back for one more job. It right. is, it is more like, damn, I fucking miss this. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, like it's all he can do. It's his life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think it's funny because I don't have a history with the Bond franchise. Like I'm sure I've seen like, you know, uh, like a few of the classics on TV before, but I certainly have no big fond memories of like watching them all. Um, but my understanding of the Daniel Craig era is that in the past, Bond has been this so cool you can't even hurt him, you know, epic hero or whatever, where he's always suave. He's drinking the martinis. He's like, you know, straightening his cufflinks. Like, that is who he is. And he's often played by characters who just seem very cool. 
Whereas Daniel Craig is more tactile. He's like a person. He gets beaten up. He gets his like testicles crushed. In, uh, <laughs> that was like, the best in torture I've ever scene. seen in a yeah. movie. He like, he hurts and he grunts and he like kills with precision. Like he is very proficient, but he feels it all the time. And he's this kind of just like weary force. And my, my understanding of this franchise is that in the context of the broader Bond universe, this is like trying to update Bond into a modern hero. And that means like taking the things that made him a suave hero before and kind of questioning them or turning them into things that instead might ruin his life or make him exhausted or make him depressed, um, make him question why he does everything that he does. And I think this movie is the ultimate like questioning of the bond legacy and that's probably silly for me to say because i have no relationship with the bond legacy Uh, so i don't really know what it means to question it but that's what it felt like it felt like a movie that is kind of undoing the the concept of bond a little bit or or at least playing with it yeah i think we should go into spoilers and talk about why everyone should be very glad this movie did not come out a year and a half ago yeah that sounds good um well before we can do that, we have to give verdicts for people who are not going to stick with us to spoilers. So, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I uh, recommend with a caveat. I don't think it's perfect. I think it's longer than it needs to be, and it overestimates how much I care about <laughs> the Bond lore. Uh, but I do think it's stylish as hell and the set pieces are great and everyone in the movie is doing a great job at being those people except for Rami Malek. Uh, <laughs> stop acting with your teeth. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, the movie the movie is just a vibe. Like, just like Skyfall. Like, I, I remember Skyfall. Skyfall is a house in the middle of nowhere with snow all around and, like, epic violent mood piece and this movie is a mood to me like it is a mood that i remember and that is that's what i like about it i think it just sets that tone and it keeps it for the whole time yeah i've been talking a lot of shit about this movie but it's still gonna be a recommend with a caveat for me um the movie it's a bond movie it's it still has its greatness i'm a fan of daniel craig um and I enjoyed aspects of this. I just, like, the plot is unnecessarily complicated in a way that, like, I don't think adds anything to this story. Like, I'm I'm fine with, like, I don't know, like, uh, if if Bond is conceived, you know, magically and was, like, birthed out of, like, a primordial soup and, like, doesn't have any family, doesn't have any parents, doesn't have any anything... And just does Bond stuff. That's a fine movie for me. Like, I'm totally on board, on board with that. Like, <laughs> totally cool. D- doesn't need to be connected to anything. If it turns out one day that he came back from the future Terminator style, um, I'm good with that. Because so you, you want the episodic Bond. Yeah. yeah I, I, this, I, this modern thing tried to make it be a connected, serialized story. Yeah. And, and I actually really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite things about the, the latest Mission Impossible was when it did make it a connected story and it tied everything back and added weight to everything that Ethan Hunt was doing. For some reason, works beautifully in Mission Impossible for me. Um, this film, I just, I just, I can't, I can't care and I can't keep up. And I don't know, I just don't. It's, I'm a bad person, maybe. 
<laughs> but, but I just, I don't know. But yeah, anyways, that, uh, that's going to be it for the non-spoiler section of our review of No Time to Die. But for now, Stephen Miller, if people don't want to stick around for spoilers, where can they find you throughout the week? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to No Time to Die, so hopefully you are enjoying that little Billy Eilish theme um, and uh, yeah that's playing or that goes away we're gonna go from no time to die to definitely a time for spoilers <laughs> yep good one All right, we are back. Spoiler territory, the after part of our review of No Time to Die. We're talking full-blown spoilers. We're talking children. We're talking stepbrothers. We're talking fathers. We're talking absent tea fathers. We're talking ice-breaking. <laughs> We're talking all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Stephen Miller, you wanted, the first thing you wanted to hit was what is the virus thing that I didn't remember the name of. Um, but yeah, we wanted to talk about the, the hilariously unfortunate timing of when this film was supposed to release and, you know, what societal events might be happening at the time when it was going to come out. Yeah. Poor, poor Heracles. Her that say. sounds like it is the name probably. Yeah. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to say that it's called Heracles. Um, it feels close, but off by a little bit um but but anyway Her basically in... <laughs> i don't yeah, know yeah i don't know i i feel like it's a greek name of some sort yeah um anyway basically commissioned by mi6 at least in part um there has been developed this weapon that is a virus that can be targeted to only harm people of a specific DNA subset and no one else. So it's meant to be the ultimate weapon because people don't social distance. So it'll pass from one person to another and eventually hit its target. Basically, once you release it into the world, it should eventually get its target. If you know, it may take a while, but it'll get there. And if you mass release it in like a large scale environment that you could hurt them very quickly yeah. without any other casualties. Um, you were holding up your finger to say something. I mean, you, you, you can continue. But this, the, what you said relates back to the thing I was talking about of the secret real plot, um, mm -hmm. which is the thing that I think you're skipping over. But, but continue your thought, and then, I'll, and then I'll hit that. Yeah, okay. So you, you can hit the real plot. Um, basically, so this virus has been manufactured. It has been stolen by Spectre. They think they are using it to kill James Bond at a party in the least necessary way ever when you have like a thousand villains standing around one guy at a party um, <laughs> literally any of them could just shoot him um but still you know but like I mean, to make think a show about the look on his face when the guy hands the pillow with the eyeball on it 
and then he realizes yeah. he's about to die from poison gas. I mean, that's pretty, pretty impactful, right, right. Steven? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely impact. It, it, it very much is impactful in the way of like, th- like the Joker getting everyone together to watch the unmasking of Batman during a ritual <laughs> that gives him time to escape. Yeah, yeah. You know, v- very much those vibes. Um, but it turns out they were wrong. They've been double crossed because it has actually been re-engineered to kill all of the Spectre people and no one else. Um, and eventually it turns out that this has been in Rami Malek's hands and he targeted Spectre as a part of a vendetta, but he is soon going to target. This is where you're going to have to tell me the whole world, part of the world, certain races. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it, I couldn't heavily, tell what his plan it, it goes to like eugenics, like for a split mm-hmm. second. And they just go like, we're not going to talk about it though. Go away. <laughs> um, but I mean, do you want, do you want me to hit it now? Yeah, hit it. So the way I interpret it is, it wasn't just reprogrammed in this one moment to kill off the Spectre people in the room. It is infinitely reprogrammable because it is nanobots, whatever, but they stick in your bloodstream forever. So the point, he has no target at the moment. His point is to infect the entire world. So at any point in time, he can choose a target and instantly kill them because, you know, the mesh network or whatever will basically all because once everybody in the world is infected with what is temporarily a non-lethal virus that at some point in time he just has to send a signal out to one person and it ripples through all of people and like talks to like basically the way i interpret it is you infect everybody with the non-lethal version and then you just flip a switch and it becomes lethal in any person that you're targeting oh i didn't interpret that at all i you are probably right I, but, I could also be wrong, but that's like that's that's what I understood from what was happening. Yeah, that isn't how I read it because it seemed like when they set the targets, they then put like the vial in the machine and it goes whoop, 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 and like programs the nanobots as if it were a thing that had to happen before infection, rather than this like people on the blockchain that you can kill later. <laughs> fucking blockchain assassin list which like by the way you just invented a better premise for what a supervillain does but i didn't get the sense that it was like a mesh network that then later he could reprogram it to kill people i thought he had like reprogrammed it to kill specter and he made a special version that was reprogrammed to kill madeline swan and her daughter and he was going to make another version to reprogram soon to do another thing so so the reason why they're hard coding the programming in those moments is because they're isolated things, right? Like in that moment, the things have only infected this one person. So, so the way I see it is there is the unactivated version and there's the activated version. Once you activate it, they all have a target. Um, but until you activate it, they're, Man, this sounds exactly like the plot of some other movie that's like either in this franchise or something. Like there's an idea of like we inject everybody with a thing that is not turned on and then it can be turned on at an instant. But like that's the way is I saw Kingsman? it. Kingsman? I feel like Samuel L. Jackson does a similar thing. Maybe it is the Kings. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, yeah. So so the point though is that like the way I see it is he talks about buyers coming to the island, right? Like I don't think that I refuse to believe that he is going to say like who do you want to kill? All right. Sultan of whatever. Cool. Here's a thing. Take this and go infect that person. I think what he's doing is he is trying to essentially virus nuke the entire planet 
so that literally all of humankind is infected with something they can never get rid of and they'll always pass down to the other. And then at any point in time, maybe he has to be within range. Maybe it, it's all mesh network. Maybe it's literally an assassin blockchain. But I, the way I see it is once you have spread the virus everywhere, you can activate it at any time to kill any target that you want. There, there, there's a line in the trailer where Bond says something about, um, and then it'll spread from people to people. Like I, I forget exactly what the line is, but if it implies that like, you don't even have a target yet, but if you infect everybody, eventually you'll get the target. Um, and mm, see, I see. I thought that it that is spreading from person to person is the specialized virus for one target, and it's that people will inadvertently spread it to each other until it hits the person that you've targeted. Not necessarily that like they already have it, and it's just a message being spread to mutate the nanobots into you know, killing Madeline or whatever. Well, cause like even in, even in the, the other scenes where like the one guy, he takes a USB drive and he connects it and then like types some stuff. And suddenly that vial is poisonous to whoever. Yeah. Right. So it, it feels like there's definitely a, a like activating a turning on. And in my head, I'm just like, well, cause no buyers were there. Why do you need so much? Like if it's really deadly enough that you can have a single vial and kill any target, why do you need to make, missiles unless you are trying to commit genocide of entire well like, see i think he is like i think they were saying oh my god this is planned for way more people than just specter and i just don't know who it is yeah because that's that's that is one of my biggest problems with the rami malik character is unless this is one of the things where like the way i interpret it is me trying to make it make sense right like this is the yeah. only way it makes sense to me because because to me rami malik he goes for blowfield because Blofeld is the guy that killed his, uh, his dad, his whole family. Yeah. Um, so it's purely a revenge mechanic, which is one of the reasons why I hate why he's going against Bond. But he's going against Bond because he fell in love with a child that he rescued from the ice. And he can't yeah. have another man love his child. Like, so it, it's like a weird... Yeah, it's weird. It, does, it comes out of nowhere and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. So it all feels like somebody trying to shoehorn in whatever feels most emotionally impactful at the moment to make a plot make sense. So to me, I think to go back to my analogy of like the machine, like killing all the humans because that's the most efficient thing to solve global warming or whatever it's been programmed to do. I feel like Romy Malik is like, I could sell these one vial at a time or I could spread it across the entire world and make it so I can send a text message that kills anybody on the planet. And that seems like the most efficient way for him to like bring in the money from his compound, which is just like fucking do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause he has no beef with other races on the planet or entire countries. Like he, okay, not that I know the the Russian guy seems to, but <laughs> he doesn't last the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just feels like that can be the only real explanation for what he's doing to for me to rationalize his behavior and actions throughout the story mm -hmm. yeah i i buy that i don't feel like it's in the text of the story but it is a cooler idea than the um the the version of the virus that is fashioned one at a time for different targets yeah but but either way the the fear like the thing that i like that I find disturbing and obviously makes the timing be interesting with COVID is this idea that like 
the way it will get to its target is by transmitting from one person to another, to another, to another. Yeah, like it is better if you go directly to them, like you'll get the job done faster. But imagine if you knew that 10 people in the world were infected with a version of Heracles or whatever the actual name is. I'm now convinced it isn't Heracles. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's definitely like, something close to that. <laughs> yeah, like 10 people in the world are infected with a version that is tailored to kill you. How do you live your life? How afraid are you? Like, how long does it take for it to get to you? How many pairwise, like, d interactions of people will there be before you die? Are your days numbered? Is it just a ticking clock now? Is it a guarantee? Like, it, that idea, I thought, was very interesting. They don't explore it, but I yeah. think it is an interesting idea of the way that you would attack someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. And also, it would be terrifying in a COVID we're still in a COVID era, but we've gotten used to the idea of the pandemic now, at least. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so one thing that's weird is like, so we find out that, and it is Heracles. Um, the weird thing about Heracles existing at all is in the previous film, there was that like, uh, I, I wanted to call it Cat 9. That doesn't sound right. Nine Eyes. There is the Nine Eyes surveillance system, which is like connect all the cameras in the world. <laughs> So that like we can spy on people and figure out what crimes are happening and like do do a minority report, but like in real time instead of precognition. Yeah. Um, and then, what a big surprise! Turns out fucking Spectre was funding it the whole time and like trick. But like they then went and tried to make another thing, but instead of surveillance on everybody, it's just a virus that kills people. Oh, yeah. Terrible idea. And they didn't think that maybe Spectre would also be paying for that one, too. Like, it just seems right. like fucking Mallory has real bad ideas all the time and is just putting, like, you know, the friggin' all of uh, MI5 slash 6. I think they've combined by now in this story. Um, hmm. But it feels like it just doesn't make any, any sense. Like, you're making the same mistake again. Like, first it was cameras everywhere. Now it's a virus everywhere. <laughs> It just seems yeah. like a bad idea. Oh, no, it, it is a horrible idea for sure. Um, so the only other thing I wanted to touch on is the, the idea to dispense of all of Spectre at once in the first, like, 30 minutes of this movie. I can't decide... What I think I believe for sure is if there had been a better supervillain than Rami Malek, that would have been awesome. Because it would just be like, hey... All this plot you thought you had to worry about, don't worry, we killed all of them. Here's a new big bad, let's go, you know, channel, channel your inner uh, Ethan Hunt here. Yeah. Um, because it is Rami Malek and it's like not a good supervillain at all, I'm torn because it, it's interesting. It, it almost feels like an intentional anticlimax where it's like, hey, there's this big bad organization. There's all these bad guys. There is all these things Bond could do. Now they're gone. Poof. They're done. Now what do you stand for? Why does Bond exist anymore? And it's yeah. just kind of like a, a like, none of this means anything um, yeah. signaling. And I kind of like that. And I think there's a way to read the movie, which I'm sure is not intentional, where Rami Malek is a dumb, generic bad guy on purpose because it's like nothing is meaningful, including the bad guy Bond stops. <laughs> like, by the end of this movie, when he is, like, charging up the flight of steps, killing so many people on his way to, like, get back to the control room or whatever. 
it it is basically exhausted Ethan Hunt. He's just like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna blow through all these people. Eight minutes, plenty of time, plenty of time. Don't worry about it. I got it. Yeah. And he's just like exhaustedly trudging through his final mission. And there there's an interesting way of feeling about this movie where like the fact that the villain sucks is like a feature rather than a bug because it's supposed to be like the era of Bond is over <laughs> the the end. But but the problem though with that like is the film is saying like, hey, what if like everything you've been fighting for doesn't fucking matter because we literally just killed all the bad guys? What do you think of that? And then it's like, well, what is he going to fight for? What if it was a child? <laughs> like, it just feels like once again, it is, it, 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 it's like they hear my criticism of the plot being too convoluted. So it's like they, in one fell swoop, they tried to eliminate all the convolution <laughs> from from the 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 last film and then they did it and they're like oh shit uh somebody was like but isn't there nothing for him to do anymore and they're like hold on hold on hold on there's the one scene that we had her getting on the train and she accidentally when she gasped put her hand on her stomach which mm-hmm. once again is universal code for there's a baby in there and then yep. we can just use that and and, and we'll go back and <laughs> And we'll make it so now he has something to fight for. Except for does he? Because then his decision is to not fight for it. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I hear you. Should I? I did like the idea. See, at first, when he got infected with the vial that, you know, is tailored to kill Madeline and their daughter... Which, by the way, like, Rami, just shut up. Like, I I hate it afterwards. He's like, isn't it interesting? Now you will have to decide if you kill them or not. It's like, God damn it. Why are you telling me this? (laughs) But anyway, when that first happened, in my head, I was like, are you really saying, like, life isn't worth living if you can't be near them? Can't you just, like, steer clear forever and live your life? But now... When I think about the social distancing thing, it is like the only way to truly protect them is to never get off the island. But like, but he was not because you can't be with them when you're out there, but because you are no matter what a risk to their life by existing. But but he was already living in isolation in that little compound. He could live out the rest of his life in a bunker where no one else can go. Like there is things he can do. And here here's why it really bothers me, though, is is okay. Minor, minor, not minor, big spoilers for the last Mission Impossible film. No, sorry, Mission Impossible franchise in general. Just most recent films, couple films. Basically, there is Ethan Hunt is in love with a woman. They get married, even though he knows getting married to her will cause her to be a target for all the people who don't like what the, the IMF do or don't like Ethan Hunt as a person, she is a victim the same way that Spider-Man's any girlfriend that he has is a victim, the same way that mm-hmm. if his identity is out, any family member that he has is a, is a potential victim, right? He knows this is the case. So what does he do? He fakes her death and then doesn't see her ever again. But he has his friends check in on her, make sure that she's doing okay, Sometimes he goes to where he knows she might be and views her from afar. There is this like loving, there's this longing, loving sort of like at a distance. I care for you. You will always be the most important thing in the world to me. I wish we could be together, but we can't. But I will make sure that you can potentially move on with your life and have something on your own. 
Bond doesn't even want to figure that out. Like, I, I wish this was like a Boromir sort of thing where he is fighting his way to get to that switch to hold that door open and then the missiles come in and fucking like he goes, right? Like, that would be great, right? But instead, he's just like, oh, yeah, not going to make it. Have fun with that little bunny rabbit. <laughs> and he just fucking mm. stands up there while the missiles come and blow him up. And I'm like, you asshole. Like... There is a way. Well, so I, I mean, so the the alternate version I guess you're imagining is he escapes somehow and immediately goes to a bunker and just facetimes with everyone for the rest of his life. Yeah, why not? <laughs> At least he could think about it, right? He could also escape, have a longer conversation with them about like, hey, this is what's happening. I'm infected. And then decide whether or not to take his own life, right? Like, but it, but it's just remember, if in the process of escaping he gets near one other human being, then he may have threatened their life forever. You know, like the moment this is out at all, it is spreading, yeah, and could eventually reach them. And so maybe there is a way to escape where you are in isolation immediately. <laughs> you know, you're never near another person ever again. But I, mean, I think they're on an not. island. That's the definition of getting off the island is you have to escape alone. Like, I, I feel like. Right. But he would have to escape directly to another island without, like, you know, paying rent or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I just think that if they can if they can put Blofeld in a bunker or he doesn't have any contact with another human except for the one person in one circumstance, that Bond can can come up with some sam- similar arrangement where he is behind glass and, you know, like they can pushing, pushing Daisy style uh, <laughs> live on mm-hmm. the boundary of some border against each other. Like, it just, it just seems like, I don't know, it just feels like uh, for a film that spends so much time trying to make him more progressive by not just sleeping with every woman he encounters it sure feels like the only reason he <laughs> lets himself die is because he can't fuck his girlfriend um which yeah. which feels a little feels a little wonky to me <laughs> yeah but it's just like well that's why i think it's important to note that it isn't that he can't fuck his girlfriend or be with his girlfriend but he literally if he lives in the world at all he lives as a threat to them just by being Someone, someone could come near at any point. Yeah, yeah. And that is where I think the metaphor comes into play of Bond is dangerous to all the people he touches and anyone that he loves, he is actually putting in danger. And you could even read into this the whole, um, you know, Bond and women and he is literally a toxic man to the people that he loves. (laughs) Um, and I, I do think that is an intentional thing this movie is doing, is having him reckon with it and be like, all right, I've had a good run. Kill me. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there is one other thing I want to say. Um, so I'll say, I'll say two things first. Uh, the first thing I'll say is that what we know about this virus is that, uh, that at least how we've seen it deployed is you put it on somebody else, they're infected, and they give it to somebody else, right? It's about proximity and it's about timing. We know that once it's in you, it's in you forever, but it's in you forever the way like herpes or something isn't you forever, right? <laughs> there, there is no expert. Yeah, you don't actually have to tell anybody about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, but there is no, there is no, like nobody has had time to study this thing. Who's to yeah, say? Yeah, we don't have the method of transmission. That's true. Well, no, 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 not, not even that. What I mean is that like, Who's to say that you can't cure it? 
Now, the extension of this question... Q says you can't. <laughs> but, but the extension of, of this question is to say, it's not a virus. It is nanobots. I don't know the Latin, but I'm pretty sure the bot part is it's a machine, right? He literally has a watch that has a mini EMP in it. Once again, I am not a physicist. I, I'm not a mechanical engineer. I'm not a whatever. But I'm pretty sure in every other movie I've ever seen, EMP breaks robots. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sure. Well, well, I'm going to say you have also just pointed out why your blockchain theory can't be real. Because <laughs> if they are programmable in the bloodstream after, then his dilemma doesn't exist. Because it would literally be like okay, let's program them to not kill anybody anymore. And then the problem would be solved. I remember the movie. It was fucking Hobbs and Shaw. That's the movie I'm thinking of. There was a virus that was programmable, and she injects herself, because they don't pick a target. She injects her... Spoilers for Hobbs and Shaw. She injects herself so that they can't recapture the virus. But if they don't figure out a way to deprogram it within three days or whatever, she's going to die. That's the movie. Mm. Shit. Okay. Good man. I, I just remember the Rocks family having that like fight on the island against the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. See, like I, I'm I'm on like some weird Wikipedia page. Not Wikipedia. It's a fucking comic book website or whatever. And it says that he. So they claim that uh, Heracles was released globally, having programmed it to wipe out anyone they deemed a threat. So they just pre-programmed like millions of people to die, and they specifically picked all the targets. At least that's what mm -hmm. this claim is. Feels feels yeah. it feels like I guess that's what that list was that they found at the one point. Was like well, I don't know what it says, but it's a bunch of names. I guess they had just pre-programmed it. They're like, okay, everybody, text me who you want to die, <laughs> and and I'll just sort all you know go through and find for uniques and then we'll just program it to uh kill all these people so interesting how they were able to get close enough to these people to steal dna samples but not close enough them to kill them in the moment before yeah that that is too but killing these people is hard like have you seen how many people have shot at james bond and they just can never hit him <laughs> I do. It is pretty badass when he's just walking in the forest and like bullets. He's not even like trying to duck or anything. He's just walking around the forest going like, I'm over this shit. Just like you die, yeah. you die, you die, you die. Man, the the standing behind the fallen tree branch and having the car like flip over him. That shit was that shit was rad. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I will say too, Remy's character is fine at the very beginning when he's just wearing a mask the whole time. Like I thought the cold open was actually pretty good. It's pretty um, creepy. Like if that, if that guy knocked yeah. on my window and that <laughs> he was wearing that mask, I would shit myself. Yeah. Like it kind of makes me want to finally go watch the snowman. <laughs> <laughs> also Blofeld. <laughs> this is the last nitpick. I swear. Are we to believe that Blofeld took one of his henchmen and removed his eye so that he could put a cybernetic eye that Blowfield sees out of into his head so that he could see whatever the henchman was looking at. Because that eye is what they're carrying around the pillow. And he's like, I see you, Mr. Bond, ready for my gas. Hmm. Um, 
so it's like he really fucking just took out a guy's eye and that henchman was like if i'm gonna be your number one henchman guy looking like a young robert de niro <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then, then cool you can have my eye <laughs> yeah now do we think the nickname cyclops came before or after that because that would be a great coincidence if it came before um yeah i don't know <laughs> i want to say he was already cyclops but blofeld like swapped out eyes with him maybe i don't know and i, I don't know how the eye communicates with blofeld like i i never figured out how that works though i guess q was trying to reverse engineer it later too um but whatever it was fun that was like the most scooby-doo version of bond like they're like ha, 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 look at us <laughs> so i guess like they thought blofeld was crazy because he would just like stand there talking in his cell all day but it turns out he was actually like communicating to all of his henchmen through his eye yeah <laughs> that's that's what it seems like that's what eyes do <laughs> so you, you know you think they'd put him in a faraday cage or something but yeah probably would have protected him from those nanobots but i guess not if they're pre-programmed <laughs> keep forgetting dang it yeah <laughs> any last thoughts about this film steven nope <laughs> all right well it's been fun oh yeah one more one more thing to talk about sorry this is very very important We've been having all these conversations um, by us. I mean, the collective internet about like, who's the next Bond going to be? Could it be, you know, a person of a different color? Could it be, you know, a, a woman? Like all this stuff, great conversations, interested to see where that's going. It seemed like in the past they were establishing that other people could fill a person's role, right? Like, you know, there's like, um, like Mallory is not the original M, right? Um, mm -hmm. M dies, Mallory, another M name comes in and takes over and is just known as M moving forward. Um, right. Am I? Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, yeah. So they're, they're kind of establishing that things are like somebody else can take a, a role as a person. Right. But in this film, Bond has been decommissioned in a sense. Like he's been in retirement and his designation of 007 has been given away. When he comes right. back to check in, he's, he goes, Bond. And then the guy's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Bond what? And he's like, James Bond. It implies that that is his name. <laughs> he is James Bond. No, he is. He is James Bond. 007 is the designation. Yeah. James Bond is his name. Yeah. So when the film ends, it says James Bond will return. <laughs> right. Are they just going to fucking not explain so I, don't, I don't know how they're gonna do it like yeah i don't know because james bond is a name not a designation normally in the past continuity hasn't mattered right so yeah. like i think even when the bonds have changed sometimes like the person who plays m or q or whatever carries over because who cares it's like whatever yeah, yeah. this is a new bond movie um when this says bond will return i don't know if they mean this universe with this current cast of characters surrounding him will return or it's just like we're going to keep making bond movies but bond will be someone else that like i don't know I, I don't know if it means there's a continuation of this universe or if they're just telling us the obvious which is like we're not gonna walk away from this ip forever yeah it, it just seems it just seems weird to me that like when they introduce this rival agent who is now operating under his designation yeah 
why would she not just also operate under his namesake? Like, it just feels like... Well, yeah, because I think James Bond isn't an alias. I think that's just, like, his actual name. Which, which just feels weird about, like, rep, rep, like, like, and for listeners, I'm not trying to say, like, a woman can't be James Bond or whatever. It, it just feels weird that they, like, this is the film where they could have passed that mantle, even if stupidly only temporarily. But they specifically separate name from... Yeah, so, they specifically don't pass the mantle. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, like, I don't understand why... It just feels it feels weird to me that they did it that way when they could have taken this moment to say that it could be something different. Like, it just seems weird. Um, and I don't yeah. know how they're going to. Is it just going to be are they just going to like pretend like in this film series? That's how it always was like this other character. Mm-hmm. It just feels weird that they could have like canonically said, yeah, anyone can be James Bond instead of waiting till the next till they cast the person and figuring out how to do it right um right yeah i I have no idea how they're going to do it especially if the name james bond persists as the name for the character for all time i don't know what they're going to do with the gender swap bond yeah but we'll find out i i think i think it was jeff canada on like an old episode i don't know if it's totally rad show or if it was old episode of slash film he was talking about how badass would it be if like in one of these movies like everybody who has played james bond who's you know, still live or whatever, like all showed up and it was like, literally they have all been James Bonds in this universe yeah. and how badass that would be. And it's like, they could have done something like that. Right. Imagine at the end of this film, if he met another James Bond and then it's just like, see, there's more of y'all's out there. Um, it, it, it just could have been, it could have been cool. Could have, but I, I believe in bond lore. Bond is a person named James, <laughs> not a designation. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it's like Dread Pirate Roberts. I don't know. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. That's it. We done? We done? <laughs> oh, yeah, we done. <laughs> All right, let me... I stopped recording like a half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to release it with me. I'm just, I'm just blow-filling this the rest of this episode. <laughs> just talking to myself. Yeah, don't, don't blow-guard the episode. <laughs>